Okay. So last week we discussed uh, 26 to 30 and we'll continue discussing uh, 26 to 30 today because we did not complete last week. So in, in the last week, if we can mute the mics, who is not speaking, that'll be helpful. So in the last week, there was a very healthy debate on reincarnation theory, why we should accept it, why we can't accept it, and what is a view of roughly about 20 of us in this group who come from quote unquote scientific and you know engineering background. And uh, we were trying to make sense of this world with a framework that we can apply to solve the mysteries of the universe. Okay. And we will continue on the same discussions today, looks like it, right? The couple of things that, uh, that we discussed in the last week, uh, which, uh, uh, which kind of you know, uh, stood out for me pretty, uh, pretty much was, first one was what Ajay said about Swami Vivekananda saying, saying that, you know, my own karma is sufficient explanation to the ways of the world, which basically means that, you know, when you put it in the larger context, not just my own karma, my own karma intertwined with the karmas of all the people that come across with me, that explains the entire world. And that was a very powerful uh, statement that I would think. And I think if you start thinking about that, it'll become a little, little, little bit more easier for us to understand how the mysteries of the work will start unraveling. Then in discussions on the Shloka 2.27, the theory of reincarnation, where it is reinforced, let me just uh, look at 2.27 once. It says, he says, for one who is born, death is certain. To one who is who dies, rebirth is certain. Therefore, over this inevitable fact, you ought not to grieve. So that was a very powerful thing. And we started discussing about it because we started asking this question, okay, how many of us actually do believe in reincarnation? And there were several lessons, but there were also a few no's. And then we started understanding what is the reason and why why it could why some people can't believe this as a theory, and the the sense that that we got was that you know there is no quote unquote proof for this, there is no scientific studies that has been done or in, or things like that, but at the same time the perspective that we were trying to bring in was okay maybe scientific studies may not have been done, but does this explain intuitively? Do we get a framework to say that? This theory of incarnation can may not be the theory unified grand unified theory of everything, but can it explain at least some of the mysteries that we see out in the universe? Things like you know how can a Mozart at at a, such a very young age be actually a master in music, for example, or how can people remember some things, or how can we dream of something that we have never experienced before in our real life? All these indicate that you know that there is potentially something beyond you know, what we consider as normal birth and death. That was one thing that we discussed. Then there was a point about, uh, 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 about you know, being attached to the child, to a, ch to a child. And someone mentioned this thing about how can we let go of expectations that we have of these attachments of, of our children. And then we started discussing a little bit, which I summarized it saying that, is there anything called attachment, being attached with while being detached? And I don't know if we concluded that. I don't think we concluded that. That was another thing that we discussed. And there was another powerful thing that uh, Chitra, you mentioned saying that, uh, you know, uh, although we think that we are attached to our children and everything, we, we will immediately detach if they, they come back and they do something to us or they say something to us that, uh, that does not, you know, um, 
that that kind of you know quote unquote threatens us or bothers us about our about ourselves and the conclusion from the discussion was that uh, looks like we love everybody all things all people looks like we love everybody only for ourselves and alpana you pointed it out that that was the uh, maitreyi yagnavalka dialogue from bruhadaranyaka upanishad and i shared a link about what i wrote uh, about that particular thing to all of you hopefully you had a chance to read that then uh, then the other thing was maybe it's a hard hard hitting truth what we talked about that it maybe it's difficult for a lot of us to accept it we think that you know uh, we love others because for whatever reason you know we can't figure it out but we love others but in fact the reality is that we love ourselves and the, then the point become, then becomes who is us who is me for us for us to understand that better and when we understand that idea of i then it is not that selfish i and like what um, krishna wrote very nicely you know you have to ish that in in meditation so that the self is revealed that was a beautiful one krishna uh then we also talked about uh, uh uh certain challenges in the science based logic okay to understand how the theory of uh, reincarnation happens because the science based logic is always objective so it does not it's it's it always separates out the subject the person who is doing the experiment with the experiment whereas the in this particular uh, atma uh, gyan or the bhagavad gita you cannot separate out the subject from the object because there is no subject no object no experiment it's all the same and that's what we are trying to really really understand in the whole thing so um, i think i probably you know uh, you know went through very very fast in terms of what we discussed feel free to add if i have missed anything then we can continue on quote and quote the debate on the science versus reincarnation theories so rajesh uh, i just wanted to add uh, to i think it was fitra's point about about relationships right and when are we attached um uh, the insight for me is that you know i think we are attached when expectations are met right so whether you know whatever type of relationship even with a friend or a child or or anybody else for that matter the the relationship leads to a strong attachment when expectations are met and when the expectations are not met it loosens actually and uh, again so uh, to reinforce the point that we do it for our own sake so it's our expectations it's you know when uh, it, yeah so uh and just uh, adding one more point to that but agreeing with it very well said so basically it is not about the person the, what you're saying if i understood you right kishore what you it's not about the person or the object let's say a home or uh, or a person you know a son or a daughter or a mother it's just that okay are they meeting my expectations is the house not having any 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 leaks in the faucet then i yeah. love my house the moment i have that then i have a big problem that's right yeah yeah with any relationship that's the expectation is the key keyword there what does the group think about it actually i just want to to challenge that a little bit um i don't think gandhari's expectations were met from duryodhan interesting she was yeah. still attached 
same is true in a lot of cases actually our our kids i think in some ways they're quite different from how we were brought up in certain values etc yet i think we are very attached to them so um but but i think i get your point that we still expect to get some uh happiness from that relationship so that's why just even that imaginary expectation causes that attachment whether it is met or not met i think we still continue to so that expectation part is very very important yes because we do expect something out of that relationship but attachment is there whether that expectation is met or not met unless i think what chitra was trying to point out it goes really wild then maybe you know it if it constantly hammers that you know you are not getting what you are expecting maybe then it can start to loosen but i think sometimes you i've seen in a lot of relationships you know abusive relationships why husband wife you know wives don't leave husbands even if in abusive relationships there is some expectation still there that it may turn it may do this thing that that's what i was just thinking yeah no no i agree i think there's probably a hope uh, in addition to yeah. the the expectation yeah no i agree just oh, can books for kishamla go ahead maybe we should follow the same protocol raising hands digitally <laughs> yeah so if i may um i think i agree with what chitra and kishor said and alpana to your point attachment may be there but whether we are happy with it or unhappy with it, it depends on whether expectations are met or not met right um and that Uncon- you slowly understand that there is nothing called an unconditional love that we are really displaying there there is a response or a reaction to what the other person is doing right so it's it's very uh, it's a hard truth but yes whether it is a you know small kid or a husband or even a parent a sibling we seem to be reacting positively if they are doing positive things to us or our expectations are otherwise you know we are sometimes we may express we may not express but we are harboring those feelings of resentment inside and then they will come out but again um the other example that you said about why would say some wives don't leave the husbands or something and i'm sure it can be for any other relationship too ultimately if you question further there is some expectation and the expectation could be about you know even a financial security or a social status or whatever else i think again i don't know whether it is only attachment i have seen many cases where you continue to question further you have an answer you have an expectation just a physical presence just simply a social status in fact in indian context um simply financial status or you know yeah if the husband is not there then you may not have both kids with you or whatever right there there are many things strings attached but there are expectations ultimately and they are for your own this is how i felt um so i think you know the um, we're calling it attachment or you know the expectations etc but i feel like it's when uh, your sense of identity goes beyond you know your individual self and uh, includes your children includes your spouse you know 
then I, I think the attachment becomes more that this is the my bigger you know self. Uh, we identify with them, so there you know anything that happens to them is affecting us, you know because we identify with these you know people, so the relationships or even you know if you take inanimate objects so with a car, you know, people will identify with their car. So even if there's a scratch on the car, they get upset, right? It's, <clears throat> so I feel it's more when we sort of include them in our sense of identity, that's when it bothers us more. Because even like Altna mentioned, you know, uh, an abusive relationship, or even when you have no expectations like Gandhari or uh, not meeting expectations like Gandhari and Duryodhan example, or, you know, with our kids, we uh, worry about their mental well-being. It's not, you know, that there is some expectation there um, from them, but it's more that if it impacts them, it impacts us because we feel like they're part of us. Yeah. That's well said. You know, uh, to Alpana and Shamala's point, the only thing that I want to say is that abusive relationships need not be that the wife is always going away from the husband. The husband can also go away from the wife. Chitra, you were saying something. Yeah. Um, I, I just I just wanted to, um, okay, maybe I think we've already covered it. Uh, maybe I'm a bit muddled also, but I'll try to uh, vocalize it as best as I can. Um, I, I think what happens is anything that we associate with, I think it feeds into our sense of I, who am I, right? So the child basically feeds into my sense of, oh, I can love, quote unquote, selflessly, or I can, I have someone to love, I have someone who love me back, or, uh, you know, I am safe because I have this love, because I have not found the bigger love, right? So I'm looking for all these uh, safety nets in whatever uh, place I am, right? I, I can't go look for a safety net outside. Um, so I think it all ends up being uh, basically because we have, uh, we are really looking to protect our eye and our eye wants most of everything love, right? I think we all agree on that. We all want love. I mean, uh, uh, the more love we have, the more happy we are. And then, you know, so that means we are in a good space. Um, so uh, I, I feel all the, all the relations or the objects or anything is basically um, feeding into my sense of I because I don't know anything better. And until I know something better, this is what gives me safety and I want to protect, I mean, I want to be safe because I want to be happy. Uh, not safe in the sense... Uh, uh, oh, I don't know if I can explain this any better, but uh, <laughs> okay, I tried my best. <laughs> insecure, insecure, you mean? Yeah, not just insecure, but uh, I think as humans, all of us uh, want to uh, see, uh, I think we have an unknowing desire to be loved. Uh, actually, we want this uh, love with uh, the omniscient, yes. Uh, but we are unable to, unable to, you know, go over this veil, as Alpana says, to have a direct connect with the omniscient. So then we try to have connect with these people around uh, 
who kind of are you know uh, filling that space although the space needs to be filled by someone else but since i can't find that person i am trying to fill it with you know whoever is around me or whatever is around me so it's almost like a a, a primal need that all of us have that we want to be loved and we are getting it from um so sometimes that's why you know uh, some people like dogs or cats a lot because you know it really fills that need especially i have seen a lot of uh, families when the children leave uh, they feel there is a, a vacuum you know there is no one to love no one to love me back uh, so you know a pet would pet could fill that need so i think it all boils down to the need to be loved and to love and since we can't we have don't have a connection with a bigger um the omniscient god or whatever we call it i think we try to fill it with the people around us no well said uh, uh, chitra and probably i just want to interject here i don't here. know if i explained it well enough but okay. it, there was a story one of the swami ji was narrating when a, when a swami gruparananda was narrating when he was listening to bruhadaranika upanishad there he says that you you let's say that you have a hypothetically you have a, a person who has unlimited wealth okay as in the money okay and uh, and let's say that the person is in love with money and um, because he 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 is in love with money you know everything is gold in his home and uh, he wants a he wants to have a dog okay then he makes a dog out of gold and keeps it there and every day he kind of you know cuddles it and all that it's a dog with made out of gold after some time he'll say no you know i am giving all the love to that you know the golden dog but that golden dog is lifeless it does not love me back then he throws away that entire golden dog and buys a real dog and quote and quote you know monetarily the golden dog may be at least 100 times or 1000 times expensive than buying and maintaining a small puppy but he says you know people graduate from in inanimate relationships to uh, uh, people being relationships okay and that's the first step that they'll take so the moment we prioritize when we prioritize uh, you know inanimate objects to uh, object uh, uh, the people people then you know that you know you are on the retrograde path you should be the other way around you have to move from the um, uh, inanimate relationships to the uh, you know people relationships in terms of priorities Yeah, so i i think to try to put it very well and and uh, i agree that you know there is that need uh, to feel something whether it's love or you know other emotions um, typically the positive emotions so so love and and you know somebody looking out for you etc um and i i still you know going back to what i'd said earlier i feel like when you identify with something else you sort of become that right so anything that person or that thing um, is exposed to you feel like you are exposed to that so you know if i love my garden and things are eating you know um, my plants then i feel upset because you know the plant is not doing anything to me those things are not doing anything to me directly but i feel upset because my plants are being eaten by some bugs right so i think when you identify closely with people or with things or you know um then you feel what they are feeling so it i i think it comes from that extension of the 
the eye, you know, I'm, the eye is larger than just this body mind, but unfortunately it gets stuck in, you know, some other closer relationships or, or things where we need to move beyond that, but we get stuck there. Ajay, you raised your hand. Oh no, it was a thumbs up. Sorry, I got it wrong. Apologies. Um, okay, no, oh, sorry. I have a question, if I may. I know we are discussing all this, right? All the detachment and everything. We should develop that and everything. What do you think that we you know we were brought up like this? We have seen our parents provide unconditional love to us. They scold us, but at the end of the day, you can go back to them. That is what we know. What what needs to change? What needs to change so that the little bit time we are left in this earth, that we can try to practice that and what our kids can observe from us and learn. What should change in us? Can, can someone summarize it? I know we discussed all this. How can we change now? Um, Shanta, this is Vidya. I pondered on this question that you just posed quite a bit. And... Uh, to me, I came to conclusion that nothing has to change really. Uh, we are the way we are. And uh, it, it was a hard lesson for me because I was thinking that things need to change, but nothing needs to change. We are the self, we are who we are. And we, when we love ourselves, everything seems to be fine. So uh, until we come to that position, uh, we want to change, we want to do more. But when we come to that position, again, we can go back to <laughs> the cycle, the vicious cycle of, oh, what needs to change today? So it, to me, it appears that every moment we need to come back to the, the thought of we don't need to change anything. But it's a constant, um, how, I, I don't want to use the battle word, but it's a constant reassurance to ourselves. And, and that's how... Um, you know, it's benefited me. I think, um, you know, I have a slightly different point of view. I think you're right with there, but uh, my, my view is that if I can expand my identity beyond, you know, my circle to, so, you know, I plant stuff and the deer comes and eats it and I get mad at the deer. If I can expand my sense of identity to include the deer, then I will probably be happy, right? Because the deer got something to eat. So I, I think, I feel like if we can expand that, that sense of identity and have, uh, you know, a, widen our circle and eventually I guess that would mean that, you know, we can identify with everyone, but it takes time to get there. But, but that's how I was thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Manu, I Perfectly think- Perfectly said, Manu. I, I just wanted to loop that, that uh, when, when I practice, uh, you know, nothing needs to be changed. That's when I could expand others into my life and, and uh, very well summarized. Thanks. Manu, if I may add um, on this point, I, I agree with you. Um, our problems seem bigger when we are, have limitations to our identity. So when we identity just to ourselves, uh, the problems seem bigger, but then, like you said, when you widen your perspective to include not just your immediate circle, but the wider, like Vasudev Kutumbakam, as everybody as you, and every, in fact, not just ours, but as us, 
then the problem seemed to dilute. I don't know how many of you saw the video I just posted maybe yesterday or something uh, about where uh, the speaker that says, if you add a fistful of salt to a glass of water and you drink it, it's very salty. But the same fistful of salt, if you add to a lake and drink water from that lake, the water is not salty because the same problems when you face yourself with a widened perspective as weak as a lake, then that's hardly anything. So maybe that's an outlook we can probably take to uh, widen our perspective, think of ourselves as the supreme consciousness of uh, whatever we want to call it, right? I think uh, we don't feel the pain. And, and then on another topic where I know earlier, you, some of you had discussed about unconditional love. I had a question. I know uh -huh. we, are, uh, we often say that mothers are representative of selfless love, unconditional love. So I know one of you mentioned that um, there's nothing like that because it, it all comes from uh, loving oneself. In that case, the mother is uh, loving herself and she sees her child as her own. Only then is that why she's loving the child? Otherwise, uh, so I'm just thinking uh, that case of, we know realized souls who have love for the world uh, and so on. In that case, is it only because they associate themselves as the world that they have love for every being in the world is that a corollary for that i was just thinking on that note so i had i had a i had a very similar thought tree uh, and i was kind of intrigued by the whole sort of mother child relationship and in india more so a mother son relationship uh, I'm sure many of you relate to that um, and and you know to an extent it is unconditional to the extent that it transcends uh, you know whether the sort of the child or the son is right or wrong so this whole sort of thought around expanding your you know identity kind of also sort of extends and manifests in terms of the the child's uh, wrongdoings or vices or whatever you want to call it, right? And, you know, to me, that is something which really intrigues me in this whole sort of, you know, selfless love versus loving yourself uh, equation. Uh, and in some level, I mean, you know, there is this popular word in, in, in which, which is used in Hindi called moha, which is effectively delusion. So maybe it's delusion, maybe it is something else, but in this whole conversation about sort of self-love and selfless love, I mean, I can't not think about that, uh, that relationship, which I find somewhat intriguing, somewhat disturbing, somewhat irrational as well at some levels. So yeah, that was my, my sort of thought and question in a way. Through. Can I, can I just, uh, you know, uh, uh, to going back to Shanta's original question, right? You know, what needs to change in us? I, you know, I had a slightly different take on it, right? And probably, you know, we can connect, uh, connect what Ajay and uh, uh, Sri and Vidya, you were also saying, right? You know, what needs to change in, and Shanta, you worded it very nicely, what needs to change in us? You know, first of all, we have to understand we cannot change the world. We cannot change anybody, least of all our children, our parents, our wife, our spouse, whatever. We cannot change that. So we have to change us our own self and you know 
So Vidya, Vidya, you said that you know, yeah, we don't have to change anybody, and we don't have to change anything. Everything is the same, and we have to. So basically, what is happening is that you know, it's like it's like the sinusoidal wave, right? You know, you start at somewhere zero, then you go through a process of understanding what the entire life is all about, then you again come back and then continue with the life. But only thing is, the wave that has gone ahead and you know gone up to the high and come down to the low. In our case, the wave may may not have you know. Um, may not have any energy at that point of time but in our case the moment you understand what is this life all about then i think it's a much more enhanced wave in the next cycle although it goes through the next cycle it is still able to take the particular thing the ups and downs of life and the relationships and and the the issues or the problems that comes up with the relationships with a much more enhanced knowledge and basically what i'm thinking is that you know if i were to put put it in the swamiji's words that um, uh, i think it was swami chinmayananda who said this i think he said that you know all of us seem to be using uh, using a instrument you know the body and mind without having the user manual how to use in this world okay we seem to be just doing whatever that we wants to do and he says you know when you can buy a washing machine or a fridge or a refrigerator at your home read the user manual diligently where are you reading a user manual to live your life okay and basically what he's trying to say is that you know if you want to understand who who are you what what is relationship what is what is life all about why do people get married why do they have children you know understandably you have a framework to say okay these are the reasons why people do different things right and that framework is not there maybe it's there in our in our mind in vague words but if you ask anybody to say anybody who has not understood the gita or who has not read the gita even once to say that okay tell me why you do this tell me why did you get married tell me why do you have children tell me why do you want to want to have promotion all their answers will be so superficial that they you know uh, the next time they'll negate their own answers <coughs> so basically to shanta to your point i think what we should what should change is you know to create that framework to understand what is life that is i really like your the sinusoidal experimental um, example that set me thinking so for if you are in a spiritual progress progress and the upward bound of the sinusoidal curve right so in that case when you're trying to know progress towards self realization and if you retrograde that's when you fall back into the samsara the continuous uh, thing up and down up and down up and down and moment maybe if you don't if you control your flow downwards maybe you get that escape velocity and you can go out and escape the samsara chakra and then maybe realize the divine maybe i that i'm just that's my simplistic way of just interpreting that on that note i was just recalling a story i read in mahabharata king bharata who was the founder of the mahabharata race apparently he was he after taking the sanyasa sanyasa he went to the forest and retired and started practices austerities and towards uh, self realization that time on the time uh, somebody had mentioned about people adopting pets after kids have left home and uh, so he again has this moment where he can go upward or downward at that time he got on uh, he sees a baby deer uh, a fawn which has been uh, his mother has been killed so he feels very compassion towards it and adopts it and then he gets um, he brings it up as a deer but then he gets so much uh, into it he falls uh, literally uh, in love with it and so much that uh, he cannot live without it so and then uh, that attachment become goes unhealthy so such that that the next janma he instead of being uh, so realized soul and attaining moksha he is uh, born as a deer again 
so that attachment there maybe that attachment is what withholds you from your total self realization um so maybe the uh, example of taking a pet after a kids leave maybe that's uh, pulling you back into your samsara chakra again yeah i think that's the story of jada bharata right is it right okay yeah bharata king bharata yeah yeah okay yeah i think we discussed that in the last uh, uh, gd also alpana you were mentioning it if i remember right about you know Sri, the context was—I think you probably missed it last week. The context was, you know, uh, someone asked, "What is the proof of reincarnation?" And Alpana gave one proof from the mythological stories, which is the Jadaparata story, where he goes from a human being to an animal to a tree, and then he realizes himself. That's the, you know, connection that we were talking about. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I missed last class. No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. I'm—I'm I, I, I'm trying to make the connection because you know the names are pretty. Yes, similar and sometimes they could be you know like king king william 1 king william 2 maybe it's a different bharata you never know so okay yeah so you know that that kind of you know is a nice segue into the next part of the two shlokas right 29 and 30 so all the way maybe hey, can i on on the same topic can i say just one thing before yeah we go into the next one i think um, thanks to ajay uh, ajay asked me if there is any uh, any site that he can read about that yagyavalkya and uh, maitri conversation and i read it little bit and i actually realized uh, i had misunderstood it all this while actually we love the person we said because of self he actually meant s with a capital s not the small s so it's not for the selfish self so i'm sorry actually i of the whole conversation was <laughs> going in a different direction when I thought it was for selfish yes sir so thanks to you uh, I looked at it we love uh, anybody because of that supreme self and that is one in all so not for the selfish self but for the self and I thought that was very very profound it was it was uh, in fact I was uh, I was a bit sort of uh, confused based on last week's conversation and what 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 you sent me but i quite sort of relate to what uh, manu said about the identity yeah. and yeah. and that is a very interesting sort of way to think about it because at the end of the day the atman is one right the self is one yeah. so whether it is yeah. you know ourselves people who we are, who are in our close proximity people who we may have met for the first time uh, so you know expanding that identity to include the the whole sort of universe if you will which yeah. is hard because it is not straightforward yeah. but i think uh, that's how i kind of i was rationalizing it but thank you manu that was a very nice way to put it expanding the identity yeah 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 so and just that next point i wanted to add exactly the same what you said it's a two step process first you identify yourself to be different from everything so that's the first step because you can't directly go to expand and include everybody so first step is always to know that i am not even this mind body etc so that you are different from that because the 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 confusion that may happen is when you are expanding you don't want to expand your mind and your ahankar so yes. first step is actually to detach from that and then that self actually is over encompassing and it includes everything so sushanta to 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 answer your question yeah that's something that you should do first think yourself to be different even from the mind and body that's the first step and then 
expanding as manu was saying and i think even chitra's point was very similar to what manu was trying to say as well that that identity eventually needs to be over encompassing everything but that is not of the mind nor of the anger i think so just be cautious on that point yeah thank you if and i may add very that's quickly that's a good segue that's a good segue uh, to Rajesh, the next uh, sorry go ahead very very quickly um i just to, uh, I, again i think i've mentioned this before uh, this is one thing swami ji continues to say um swami parmarthananda ji so he says that you know when you especially when you look at attachments uh, attachment with uh, children he says just remember that the children are born not to us but through us right so again it, it goes back to this uh, in, in combination with the identity if you start to think along these lines and this was this to me i i, I heard it probably 3 3 plus years ago but it stayed with me uh, it really helped me um, i think at some point we we developed that vairagyam and we will see it um, that uh, you know um, you will see that play out in you and and this will resonate quite a bit Uh, that children are born through us and the moment we see that it is more like a caretaker um and and to provide that rather than being it being mine so the the decisions we take the the type of um uh, you know desires everything would would change once you change this perspective as an example then if, if a child says i want to go to a college somewhere else uh you would now say how do i make that happen for you not big, I, and and the attachment says you know i want you to stay with me here close by but uh when you look at it from a different angle you say um you know how do i make that happen right if that's what you desire so th- those kind of decisions start to uh you know we change how we think about it right so uh and that's how it plays out in practical terms beautifully said kishore beautifully said so uh, you know going back again to shanta's question right i think and then all the discussion that we had ties in very well to the next part of the to next shloka and i want you want you guys to pay attention to that next shloka right it says you know ascharyavat uh, pashyati that's the shloka that we have not talked so think about this what is happening to all of us is that you know we are trying to understand who we are and then suddenly we realized you know whatever that we assumed so far is not who we are but there is somebody else okay that who that is that is who we truly are and then what happens to us you know first of all it, it disbelief comes in and you know you rash you know it can't be you know i've been thinking about myself like this so long but they say that there's some an existence of somebody else within me okay which is that they call it as atma and i can't even feel that i can't even see that i can't even touch it but am i really that 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 surprise will come in and so the, i i probably i think uh, kishore asked this question in in the previous gd one of the gds or somebody asked this question so how many of us were actually you know surprised or how many of us were you know uh, i would say uh, uh, amazed that there was somebody else that who we truly are as a concept yeah yeah it's a, it's an interesting sort of uh, transition uh, uh, rajesh i mean we've been through it for over the last uh, over a year now i mean it kind of moves i mean at least my sort of mind moved in sort of three steps uh, the first time i heard it i found it strange almost bordering on the ridiculous how could you even 
think of that. Um, and then kind of it comes across like a it's like a mystery kind of you know you kind of get it but you kind of need to think about it or you don't get it and you know there are times you have self doubts whether what you're thinking is right or not so it's a bit of a mystery and then you get to the stage where you kind of like he calls it ascharya which is kind of translated i think as wonder then you get to a point of wonder and i think this is this shloka 29 is you know lord krishna's way of saying this is an aha moment i mean it's a way of kind of summarizing the whole thing and saying who am i is indeed an aha moment so make no two kind of doubts about that so rajesh uh, looks like this is from katopanishad uh, as well this was uh, is a direct uh, lift that, that's what the book says uh, i also liked what's written here the true knowledge makes a man realize that he is the soul with the body but now in his ignorance he thinks that he is a body with a soul i think i i thought that was a very um, it's a very um, perfect way of putting it how what are we identifying with is it a body with a soul or is it a soul that has entered a body you know i mean what well, it's a unfortunately i wish i could express it better <laughs> but i thought that was a very a very interesting thing this is a soul with a body and not a body with a soul uh which is what all of us think right we think about this body then it has a soul inside you know and okay we are trying to find the soul but instead if you look at it i, that's I think that's how we all start right i mean you know uh, all our meditation starts with uh, i'm trying to find the soul whereas if you turn it around um, that was a very profound statement absolutely profound actually it's similar to what uh, swami sarvapriyananda ji says also about i mean spiritual being in a physical body i am and not the other way around i am not seeking you know spirituality right now but i'm a spiritual being uh, in the in the physical body very very similar to the statement it, and it's a very profound one that really kind of uh, removes a lot of limitations that come with the body when when we kind of you know ponder on that true true yeah that quote is uh, uh, we are not human beings having spiritual experience we are spiritual beings having human experience yeah that also comes uh, when people have body transplants so again you're so somebody else's body now if you get uh, a liver or something from somebody else then are you if you associate that this my body then you're right now you're using somebody else's body part in you right now so that's soul and body relationship really is profound at moments like that or even when sometimes when you have that phantom limb experience when you like hand is not there but some people experience who are uh, handy uh, they have amputated they feel that the hand is still there so that kind of uh, it's hard to explain those kind of concepts still uh actually that also they there have been experiments done uh so apparently it's a kind of a learning uh so in your brain uh if certain parts of your brain light up even if that limb is not there uh, the brain interprets it as the limb being there so that's that's something uh, to do with uh, i don't know i'm sorry i'm going to this but this as a teacher a lot of or uh, as a uh, children and us we learn a lot through looking right it's uh, um 
I see someone doing this. So the next time the child comes and does this. So this is called learning through looking. And that's a very, uh, that's exactly what uh, the phantom um, hand that you're talking about, right? So when uh, they are looking at someone eating, so they assume that they, they, their hand is also capable of doing it, although they don't have that. So it's, uh, it's, it's been explained that way too. This was also explained in the Tattva as the difference between Indriyam and Golakam, isn't it? Uh, yes. It's yes. the same, right? I mean, physical body and a subtle body, there are, that is still intact. Maybe the physical part is not there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Just because, you know, I think Swamiji says, you know, just because you see someone has got huge, big ears, doesn't mean he his sense of hearing is very strong. And someone who has very small ears, doesn't mean he's, he's, uh, he can't hear. You can't make out uh, whether a person's, you know, sense of perception is stronger or weaker just by looking at their eyes or nose or ears. You know, it's because that's just an instrument, end point, like a sensor. Okay, the the real, the 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 one that is really sensing that using that sensor is behind that. So the one with what what senses is called as a golakam, right? The sense the the sensing of eyes. Um, the golakam is the, the point where the eyes start manifesting out. The, the energy of sight manifests out is the eyes. It can't manifest from anywhere else. And that is called wow. golakam. And the power is the indriya. The sense itself is indriya, the eyes of sight. So almost like a 512 KB floppy disk as well as a small uh, micro SD card that has uh, 128 GB. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the point one is... One goes corrupt, the other takes over. <laughs> No, no, no. The point is, the point is, you know, when, when, when a person dies, what dies is the instrument, the eyes, okay, the ears. They, they are cremated, but the, the, the sense, the, the perceptive ability behind them, you know, is packed in a box and it goes on to find a new body. So, the, if you go to an optician, the optician can't correct the sense behind it. Optician can correct only if there's a problem with the instrument, with the eyes. In fact, Swami Ji gives a very good example, taking that optician itself that, you know, through all the machinery now that we have, we can figure out, you know, what could be potentially the power. But the final, this thing, they always ask the patient or whoever is there, can you pee properly? Then they keep adjusting with it, right? So there is no replacement for that. So you cannot sense it using instruments, etc. What your actual reading capacity etc is how much ever advanced science will become eventually it lasts <laughs> you cannot you cannot bypass that so this is another way of saying everyone's reality is different because your subtle body is interpreting whatever is coming in differently everyone's apparent reality <laughs> apparent yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> apparent reality <Yeah. laughs> I mean, even if you look at the same thing, uh, different people will, you know, describe the same scene differently. Yes. Okay. I think this, this shloka is very, 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 very interesting. And I think it, it also points out why, why are people in wonder? You know, why, why is that wonder part? I think that also Swamiji explains quite nicely that, you know, when you are wonder stuck, you know, you, you gape, 
your mouth is open you can't speak because you can't describe it so why is it that when atma is the most direct thing that we experience yet why we cannot experience or why we cannot see it so so i think this shloka goes on to to explain that um you know there are only very few rare people who can see it because you can't see it from these eyes so you have to see it differently and asharya vadati some people can only talk about it because it's not an object only an object can be described in words so it can either be an object or it can be a characteristic or it can be you know the action uh, there are five things that words can describe but it cannot be it cannot the words cannot describe it and then the third one is achyavachan shunoti and and only very few people can hear about it so they say that you know the actual enlightenment happens through word you know they just say tatvamasi and the person who who's prepared who's done all the prerequisites he gets it but only very few can can do that and why some after hearing also cannot get it because it is it is so subtle to grasp even though it is available 24 by 7 yet we don't we don't look correctly maybe or you know is that 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 in it 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 has to be intuitive they say that it will it will come so that's why it's a it's a wonder that you know even though it is so direct and yet we can't grasp it and hence the whole 18 chapters to do the preparatory work to get it there yeah and that's also, also the concept of the, uh, go Alpana go ahead there's also the concept of wonder used because you can't describe it because it's beyond description yeah it is right because once you actually nice. realize it you can't use words to describe it right i think that's why we're all struggling correct correct you know uh, uh, sorry rajesh no 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 that's fine that's fine that's fine so i think uh, you know that's why the concept of you know if, if you remember if you remember you know all these uh, uh, at least two instances we know shiva has this third eye and that's a depiction symbolism saying that okay the shiva when he looks at that entity that energy principle called shiva when he looks at this entire world the way that you and i see it he does not see with his two eyes he sees with his third eye as a unity that's a symbolism to represent saying that you know we cannot if you want to see that unified reality the that that only entity that is that is that is there in this universe we cannot see and perceive it with these two eyes normal two eyes okay that's a symbolism of that the other thing is even as we go through you know when in in geeta itself when the vishwarupa darshana comes you know the, the the arjuna asks you know we'll we'll get there but since i kind of you know quote and quote read you know i am a little little you know i am kind of showing off a little bit sorry about that okay so <laughs> i'm saying you know when when he when arjuna at one point of time he realizes that you know krishna is uh, not someone who you know he he's uh, all the while he's been behaving like like you know like a charioteer then he says uh, boss show me your who you truly are then at that time krishna tells him listen i can show you who i am because you are my close friend and dada dada and all that but you don't have the vision to see me i'm going to give you uh, divine eyes divya chakshu he says that and then he gives him the divine eyes and the divine eyes is the equivalent to the third eye because you know arjuna is seeing it the way that krishna wants him to see it as to what the reality is 
right? And 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 that that the, the divine eye, all of us are in the process of getting it because all it requires is mental preparation, right? And going back to Shanta's first question, right? You know what needs to change? What needs to change is prepare the mind. So um, the the wonder that he talks about it, that's that's the actual experience is the wonder, right? Or in in this uh, uh, shloka, is talking about yes. one sees this as I a wonder, so. one speaks of this as a wonder, um, but we are not getting it. We are not being able to experience that wonder yet, right? That's what they're saying. I think it's a mystery. I read it as it being mysterious. Also because I think... The, sorry, I, I was just saying, the people who have... So when he says, says one sees this as a wonder, one another speaks of it as a wonder. These are the people who have experienced it. They are seeing and speaking Correct. and hearing. But then okay. the people who are hearing it uh, have not. And so for have them, it's still that. a mystery, right? Okay. And yes. so they're not able to... Or like, we are not able to understand it. You're not able to understand it. Yeah. Okay. And because think, we cannot also, right? We can, we cannot, we cannot, it cannot be described. Right, okay. Uh, by, even though others can describe, we are also reading in the book, it says it is indestructible and it's, and, and it's there everywhere and so on. But, but still, you know, it, it's hard to actually fathom that, right? It's still a mystery um, until we actually realize it, right? So, and so then, in order to experience that wonder, we, we, should do the self-perfection thing that Rajesh was mentioning. Atma is realized by itself. Atma realizes itself by itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a slightly yeah. different perspective. We have a lot, of, have that, a lot uh, of things to undo and unlearn. Yeah, to the extent that, uh, you know, if you think about, I mean, I, the way I understood it was that it is not a wonder for somebody who is enlightened. It is only a wonder for those who are not enlightened, whether it is, you know, a ignorant person, whether it is a student, whether it is even a teacher. And primarily it's one, it's a wonder or a mystery because you just kind of open your mouth and say, aha, and you don't know how to, how to explain it because it is not describable in a way, uh, in words or, in, you know, in, in, a, in, in the conventional way, if you will. So it's a wonder only for those who are not enlightened. So wonder for those who are not enlightened, or or for those who are enlightened. That's why I'm confused. Like I I, I look at it the other way, Manu, which is if, if you are if you are enlightened, then there is no wonder because it is it is what it is. I mean, it, it is, is understood. Yeah. Here, right? It's I thought that's of, the one wondrous experience that. Uh, no, I, I looked at. If you are asking, <laughs> Manu, if you are asking if uh, you and I will know whether we have attained enlightenment, yet we we yet to figure out what that is. Yeah, but what I'm asking is that, so it's not a wonder for us yet, right? Because we haven't, it's a mystery for us, but it is a mystery. we haven't experienced the wonder yet. It's actually it's Manu, a wonder for us today because we're kind know. of we don't understand it. We're kind of go, wow, we, we, just, we just kind of sort of, you know, you know, just trying to kind of fathom what, what we are hearing. We're still sort of fathoming yeah. it. So many lectures, right? We're just going on and on because we're still kind of saying, Wow, am what? I am I? You know that question is still there, and it will continue for a long time, as at least the way yeah. I think about it. Yeah, I'm still curious about it. 
right? That, that, yeah, and hopefully there'll be a point, you know, there there are enlightened souls who kind of get there and they say, yeah, this is it. This is I am I am Atman. I mean, I am nothing else. I mean, you know, there is just no question about anything. It's it's a very simple thing now, right? So there's no wonder left after that. It's a, you you <laughs> get to the destination, you're done. But until yeah. you get there, it's wonder. Yeah, you know, just like when somebody, let's say a, a painter, maybe Picasso or somebody else, I mean, who paints it, paints a, a masterpiece. For them, it's not. It, it's like doing. They are expressing something that they. It's directly in them. But for somebody else who's looking at it for the first time or even the first few times, it's it's a wonder, right? How did you even come up with this, right? I mean, uh, so for them, it's not fathomable. But for the person who's doing it, it was just natural, right? So. So to me, um, I, I'm with Ajay there. So it's it's a wonder for us. It's a mystery for us. But once you get it, it's like, um, yeah, oh, uh, this was it that, uh, all along. So um, that's how I read totally it. Totally anticlimactic. Admiring the picture, we are yeah. trying to understand what this picture is. Could be exactly. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. So I think I think um, it's wonder like the Picasso example, right? <laughs> the, uh, Picasso while painting it, I think. is probably was probably filled with a, a wonderful experience right that's while true. he's painting that's true absolutely but we cannot we cannot understand yeah. that and we cannot even experience it that's unless true. we are in that spot where he was while he was painting it yeah no i, I want to right. just sorry kishor and on what we are talking about you know i i want to just bring one word in here anupama you know our anupama's name right anupama means one without any equivalent okay so the atma is a one which does not you cannot describe it with any example because there is no second one to it therefore you know picasso can paint it and you know he can experience something because there is a model in his mind and then he does it but atma the way that we are is anupama basically Rajesh, how do how would we take the Nirvana Shatakam route and say it's not Picasso's painting? It's not that experience and not that. <laughs> correct, 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 correct. That's true. So, uh, so okay. The the reason why I brought that thing was first of all, um, you know, uh, the 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 human constitution, the way that the thinking beings that we are, the way that we think ourselves is slightly different from who we truly are. That's the first point that we have to understand, right? and the moment we understand that then we have to understand okay what is not what is not me what is not me what is not me and then you finally get to that point where you will not be able to understand who you are still although you'll sense that okay i think i'm i understand all these things logically going through nirvana shatakam route you'll understand all those things logically but then you'll still come to a point where you'll say okay i think i'm lost i don't know i'm still confused right or maybe i understand it but i still let don't get it that's the state yeah, that, that will come there yeah i i think that's the state we are in he started with bhagwan uvacha in, uh, in i think shloka 20 no 11 or something and he's continuing so he has to say a lot of things so i think we should move on <laughs> so in the, in the book, thing on this ash- sorry manu go, go ahead go ahead so i think on this side we are looking at it in ashcharya but on the other side it is ashcharya vat vat meaning uh, like wonder stuck because they cannot talk about it and that's the right. reason they they look at it in awe because they can't speak about it they can't explain it they can't say anything about it 
so so i think yeah, both sides are okay from the <laughs> from the yeah because yeah. that's what i was going to say in the book he says uh, when a mortal through the techniques of self perfection uh, comes to realize recognize himself to be the self he is struck with a wondrous ecstasy of that suprasensuous experience so that's what you you're saying yeah so the person who actually experiences it is so struck with wonder that he is unable to describe it So here, yeah. here is one personal take, you know, my personal, uh, you know, uh, journey, right? And it is how it went on. When I first understood that there is a, there is quote unquote somebody else different than who I thought I was all the while, uh, I actually um, was trying to say, okay, TK, it's there, that's fine. So how do how do we, how does it make my life any better? That is a question that I was asking myself, right? You know, I don't care, you know, if some somebody is if, if the scriptures are saying that you know you are not who you are, but you are somebody else, and you know and rest of the things i don't understand saying that this that somebody else is the whole world and all that you know i don't understand but let me talk about my own life right that's what i was thinking in my mind is okay how do i apply that in my life that that became an interesting question for me to solve and i struggled with that problem okay and i i'll go back to what kishore very simply said right you know he used his example of children are born through you or not to you just that one statement he he understood it and if we understand it our complete perspective changes so what happened to me was you know when i understood that i am not the body and not the mind then automatically my perspective about how i start relating to this body and mind and in turn to this entire universe right the way that i deal with people or deal deal with objects and all that it changed automatically so the, what i'm saying is that you know the reason why i'm saying it is in uh, every day when we wake up and when we when we say nirvana shatakam if we really feel that okay it's a reminder for me to say okay i am not this thing this thing this thing but i am this thing then it's like a reinforcement cutting new grooves in the cd in our mind that we'll automatically start behaving differently than what we are see um i have one more perspective i would love to uh, hear what the group thinks about this um see if you look at it from purely from a practical perspective right i mean this is again the coming uh, through the bottoms up approach um one of the goals that i think we will all say is true is that we all want to be happy right i mean we are you know i wouldn't call it pursuit of happiness but we are pursuing happiness in in an external way in a in a materialistic in a relationship and so on um but as we understand uh, as we go through this i think it starts to dawn upon us that that happiness is actually can be defined as nothing but peace of mind right as uh, as a mind at ease a mind that is not being pulled or drawn in each any direction in a, in any uh, in a strong way that is actually the state that is that equilibrium equi uh, uh, poise state that what we describe as happiness so eventually that's that's what it comes down to now how does it um, so this whole concept of self even if it's a concept even if it's a concept at this point to me um until we realize it obviously it's still a concept we've read about it we've heard about it 
it's not assimilated completely yet. We don't act like it yeah. uh, yet. Um, but even that concept helps us achieve and get closer to this equipoise state because we now start to um, uh, uh, see things differently, see things not connected to us. It's as if whatever is happening to us is actually what is happening in a movie, right? So you know, whatever happens in a movie, it doesn't affect us completely. We watch a movie when things happen in the movie, it doesn't really bother us because we know who we are and that we are not affected by it. It is a movie that's going on and the hero and the heroine, they, they are getting affected, but not me. We know that, that we are different. Um, in the same way, whatever is happening to us, we start to see it in third person. So even if this concept is applied, finally leads us to that security. It gives us that peace and helps us be in that equilibrium state. And hence, to me, even as a concept, it helps us achieve that equipoise or get closer to that equipoise. And eventually when we achieve it, when we actually assimilate that, obviously you are in that equipoise state for, for a very, very long period of time, maybe permanent, right? So um, I, I look at it from that angle, which is that the, even from a practical angle, it helps us stay calm, uh, helps us stay at, uh, in, uh, have a mind which is at ease. Um, so even from that perspective, the, the theory, as of now it's a theory, uh, is still helpful. Well said, Kishore. Right, I, I think Rajesh, is, that's kind of what you were uh, kind of saying it as well. I, I was just adding a different perspective to that. Absolutely, absolutely. So all gyan is not, uh, not necessarily not useful. It is very useful. Is the highest Gyan Rajesh is the name Anupama that you have explained. That's the highest level, and I can see her grin. I've stopped calling her Anu. We have all stopped calling her Anu. <laughs> in fact, in the middle of the screen, I see Anupama and Vidya, the two things we need. <laughs> Equal, you're calling her an atom all these days. <laughs> From atom to, to yeah. comparisonless. Okay, uh, if nobody has anything, I can, you know, I just wanted to share this. You know, we keep saying, okay, we can't describe it, and yet we call Atma as Satchidanan. So, how does that work? Say that again, Alpana. We say Atma, we, nobody can describe it and nobody can talk about it. And yet we call Atma as Satchitanand. And feel it, you can experience it when you realize it. I think we, we call it Satchitanand because, you know, because we don't have any way to describe it. <laughs> because it is infinite, it is everything, you know, it's all blissful, all encompassing. There that, are is, no limitations. that is the right answer, because we call it Sat, because in relation to what we see, which is Asat, it is Sat. 
but it is actually beyond satanasat so in reality atma is not even sat it's beyond satanasat then we call it conscious conscious because you know what we are seeing apparently it is conscious of that but it is beyond even conscious and unconscious because uh, atma itself doesn't see it's the through tools it's seeing but the tools themselves are unconscious and then um, it's uh, it's limitless but when you say limitless that's in relation to something which is limited but if something which is limited doesn't exist what is it limitless in relation to so it's actually not sachidanand as well it's beyond that so that's one part and then the second is also these are three not different things it's one thing if it's conscious that means it needs to exist so that's why that existence comes into they, they, they both can't exist without each other right if it's non existent it cannot be conscious if it is conscious it has to be existent and then um it needs to be limitless because if it is existent itself anything outside of existence is non existent so that means it, there's nothing outside of it mm. which exists so that's why even though we say we think it's three things it's actually one thing which is trying to describe it so i thought you know. <laughs> yeah and i just want to i just want to you know uh, comment on the word uh, you know uh, limitless alpana that that you used right i think i would understand it slightly uh, differently i would not call it i would call it as limitless but then when i understand it i will understand it saying that there are no limitations in it because you know if you think about it all the question our life is because there are limitations within us and then we are trying to become that limitlessness already so that's why i i would you know understand it personally because that for me then it it shows that okay either i have i can choose the path of sigma 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 and keep on adding on to me which could be an eternal uh, lifetimes lifetimes and lifetimes and still i may not be able to do it but then there's another route is you just you know jump up get off the orbit and realize who you truly are yeah so in relation to that limited thing you're saying you're without limits right Correct. But these are apparent, so they don't exist. So, if you take out these limited things, then yeah. you can't call it limitless or unlimited either. Yeah. Yeah. The paradox of language here. Yeah. Okay. Just when you think you're getting it, you realize there's something more <laughs> <laughs> to it. No, I think you know it, 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 that's that's why you know the, the people who you know some of these people, some of these swamiji's in when they when you question them, saying that okay, you know, are you are you a man or a woman? You know, somebody will say, you know, I'm neither. You know, and people we all misunderstand. You know, what are you saying? You know, you have to be either man or a woman, and you can't be an animal or anything like that, right? But the point is, they come from a different perspective. They are saying, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, because you know that's what your perception says. But I'm I'm somebody else. beyond all that yeah. all those differences yeah and we we definitely make fun of those kind of people right obviously <laughs> yeah, ramana mahesh mahesh he was probably the master of this kind of my story i mean for him it was like the pinnacle of everything that he discussed yeah so i just want to kind of you know move on to the last shloka right 30 uh, uh, 
dehi nityam vadhyoyam so in this you know did i understand rightly maybe you know you can correct me if i'm wrong i got confused a little bit in this he talks about the embodied self right the embodied self is different from atma if i understood right embodied self is the one with the subtle body atma plus subtle body or the subtle body not atma plus subtle body subtle body am i right in that i think it's still talking about just the atma okay dehi is the atma yeah i have to reread it then i did not understand that i i interpreted that as uh, the subtle body yeah i had the same uh, doubt uh, rajesh because it says it resides within the body it kind of suggests that it is uh, a kind of indweller correct correct it's different it's different from the way we have understood atman which is sort of omnipresent and which is everywhere right and that that's what that what kind of threw me through me off track when i read it but, but if it is everywhere it's also there in the body isn't it no but then but then the, the word the... but the word they would not have used it as dehi right my point is dehi means someone with the deha with the sharira and that is not probably not necessarily the atman right yeah sort of confusing i agree with you but dehi and deh um, uh dehe they are used in in many places in the gita right and even in the tatva bodha you know he uses the word i think shariri which is different from sharir which is like body on one hand and the indweller of the body the sula shariri sorry the sukshma sharira on the other side But by the way, an interesting tidbit, an interesting tidbit on deha and sharira. Okay, yesterday I in my Vishnu Sahasranama class, uh, the person was telling me, and I made a, you know, uh, a timetable map for it also. I believe the body that grows from zero years till eighteen, about eighteen years, the one that that grows, that is called deha. Okay, and the one which goes from roughly about thirty-three, thirty-four years till we die. that is called sharira because i believe sharira means the word sharira in sanskrit means the one that will keep on diminishing okay and deha means the one that will keep on growing i, I do not know sanskrit so please don't ask me you maybe vp rajesh and ajay are the right people to answer that not me okay and between 18 and 33 there is no word given to a body in sanskrit it's it's because that it's it's a period of no decay no growth apparently Uh, Rajesh, I think it is referring to Atma because it is calling it Nitya. Subtle body is not Nitya. Uh, no, there again, uh, Alpana. The, the 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 problem where I got confused was the subtle body is not Nitya with with respect to the Atma, but with respect to the uh, to the uh, body, the physical body, it is quote unquote you know near near eternal. Shastras. shastra but not nitya nitya needs to be avikari it can't go undergo any change and subtle body undergoes changes in the it context it may not of... die but yeah it's not shash shashvat may be the word for what you're looking for for eternal nitya cannot change yeah yeah also yeah. to me i think it uh, <clears throat> it is soul because dehi i don't know ajay maybe you can think of the sanskrit word dehi doesn't it mean i don't know which vibhakti it is but uh, the owner of the soul or or, or the uh, owner of the body 
owner of the body yeah the soul which is owner of the body so maybe that that's what it is um it's it's very tricky when they say they and they he and whatever way they use i'm not clear about that but in the context of where you know this uh, shloka yeah. comes in the chapter it has to be the other i mean it cannot be anything else it's, it seems to me so shankaracharya's uh, commentary calls it as atma but yeah Yeah, not the subtle word. Yeah. yeah, I just double checked as well. Okay, good. Maybe I'll have to go back and read it because I I got confused. You know, yeah. sometimes. All right, we are at seven twenty-seven. So there are a lot of people uh, who probably just, uh, just a small uh, tidbit, uh, Rajesh. Just wanted to point out. So, shlokas twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, thirty. They all have the phrase "shochitam arhasi." which is do not grieve and i think that is particularly relevant in the context of uh, of death and uh, and we should not be grieving it's it's interesting it comes in in all these four uh, shlokas so krishna is emphasizing that that the i will always remain and so one should not grieve uh, in very yeah. relevant <clears throat> at one point in in the book he's uh, swami chinmayananda ji says that krishna's uh, uh, his life is a message of cheer and joy and his philosophy is keep smiling i i thought that was a really nice way to think about it yep absolutely so we got uh, two more minutes so anybody who has uh, been silent on the GD, any comments, questions, or any aha moments that you want to share? Okay, all of us um, are sharing about. Sorry. Go ahead, Sri. No, I am just Manu's uh, statement made me think. there is one thing in balviar when i teach uh, there is one uh, comparison that uh, we talk about karna and krishna so karna goes on complaining towards the end that i had this misfortune my mother abandoned me my this thing on one after another he goes recounts all his misfortunes and krishna counters to that i was born you, your mother just abandoned you for me my whole parents abandoned me and my, i you, i was born in a jail i was brought up by people who didn't know then I, the only person i loved i had to abandon and i had to marry people all because they wanted to marry me and so one after another he goes and he says like and then all of this all this he has been cheerful all through so his life has been one disaster after another disaster but he has been cheerful all through so that just set me thinking on that note three is it from some text or is it whatsapp university no no <laughs> no, no this, this is actually a statement <laughs> given by swami ramakrishnananda who is a devotee of swami chinmayananda uh, okay and okay he says uh, krishna's message for business or something like that he gave a very nice presentation oh, okay. where he talks about krishna uh, he quotes everything from bhagavad purana and uh, things and lot of facts that we think we always associate krishna with flute but i didn't know that krishna had never used a flute after the age of 16 when he left yeah. uh, vrindavan he stopped using the flute yeah, yeah but we always associate krishna with the flute so so many misconceptions that we had he clarified i'll try to find if i can get that powerpoint it's beautiful krishna's message and also we think of krishna as a, a, a wall that we need to do sometimes tactful retreat we never associate krishna with retreat but krishna has a name called ranchod in fact yeah. that the name in uh, three idiots ranchod das comes from that because he knew when to abandon 
uh, a war right. and uh, to fight and also it seems balrama asked him when comes uh, when uh, jarasandha attacked him why do you uh, he attacked you so many times and uh, why did you not defeat him uh, it seems apparently when jarasandha attacked him the first time he killed everybody except jarasandha and the next time he come back came back with more army and same thing happened yeah. like 15 16 times this happened jarasandha said uh, krishna said apparently if i had killed jarasandha the first time i don't know how many other people hate me but each time i managed to send jarasandha back he brought back more people who hated me so i killed him so that way i was able to uh, exterminate my enemies that way so uh, yeah, so there are some points he gave so go ahead can i go ahead sorry 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 finish no no so he had given so many anecdotes like this which uh, could be management uh, or what do you call uh, tips and tricks from krishna's life so in that uh, explanation guys nice. if you have that presentation please share with us alpana you you were saying something finish your thought and then we will close uh, today's gd no, no i just realized i think it was not jerasan but it was shishupal who had to do 100 cents before he could be killed so he let him do 100 cents so i can't remember no, for sure whether it was jerasan or it, it is jerasan it is jerasan because jerasan, jerasan attacks dwaraka multiple times and when yeah. he attacks multiple times he kills everybody except jerasan he goes back and keeps on coming and later on when it is time for him to kill jarasandha he does not go and kill he goes to yeah. pandavas and then uh-huh. he says now you know he rallies that army and then he goes to he takes uh, bhima and nakular uh, uh, yeah. sahadeva one yeah. of them and then he goes and then he kills jarasandha at that point of time yeah, yeah. that's right and sishupala is his own cousin apparently when he was born um, uh, they predicted that he will face a hand uh, death in hands of krishna so he promises his, uh, uh, his sister his aunt who is basically kunti's younger sister that uh, he will uh, uh, for, forgive him 100 times 100 offenses and krishna uh, sushipal knew that but still he was like a stupid person he went and uh, pushed his button 100 times and insulted him and the 100th time is when he uh, finally uh, killed him correct correct that's what i remember 100 time was sushipal not jarasan yeah <laughs> correct <laughs> and and this is that's that's a powerful story actually about how krishna kills uh, jarasandha and sishupala and why he does it the way that he does it not that he killed you know that's like a childish story but but if you why he does this the strategy what he adopts is so powerful actually you should read that i i sent all of you that book right the, you know on bhagavatam it's there so beautifully described in that please read it when you have the time all right i don't think we have more time today than what we have so before we say our uh, concluding prayer any any insights on what shlokas we should adopt for next week i know i'm sorry i i have not had a chance to look at the shlokas ahead for the next, next uh, few my list was 40 actually so but 40. but <laughs> Next. that's a lot of shlokas in between so one i was about to say if you want to summarize 30 to 40 because it is um, now changing yeah. and he uh, yeah, I, I think we should that. yeah we should probably uh, summarize 30 to 40 30 to 39 next week 30 to 39 okay. yeah, yeah. 30, because i think they all fall under one bucket i think and uh, yes, it might be although yeah. there are many shlokas so let's let's do that uh, next week. it's like changing into a you know uh, into an argument with a layman to a layman in yeah. layman terms if you will yeah yeah all right logical tactics correct <laughs> all right with that let's get to our uh, 
concluding shloka om asato pasat kamaya tamaso majyotir kamaya mrutyor mamrutangamaya om shanti 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 Sri Guru Bhyo Namaha Harihi Om Sarvejana Sukhino Bhavantu Om Shanti 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 All right. I hope I hope we are all convinced about reincarnation. We'll probably get back next week here in the same avatar now. <laughs> If you want to be confused, somebody asked, Swami Sarvapriyananda tells this story, somebody asked an Advaiti whether he believes in Punarjan. So he says, Jab janma hi nahi to punarjanma ka hai ka. Thank you Rajan for joining today. Uh, strength to you and your family and uh, heartfelt condolences. Thank you. Thank you Alpana. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone. Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Shanti. Hariyom, everyone. Thank you. Hariyom. Hariyom. Hi.